All right. We're going to go ahead and continue with our series this morning on Teach Us to Pray. We're on week three. We have this week and then next week, uh, and then we'll be moving on to some different things. But uh, our text that we've been looking at is in Luke 11, uh, 1 through 13. We, we've kind of been uh, looking at this, and kind of if you haven't been here, or even if you had a little review, uh, the first week we, we talked about the fact that, or we kind of talked about it uh, the last couple of weeks, that, that basically in this portion of Scripture, Jesus' disciples are seeing Jesus, and he's praying, and they're noticing something. They're noticing that their prayers and how they are praying is different than how they are praying. I remember as a kid, I, I had this like horrible, terrible realization. And actually, I wasn't a kid. I was more of a teenager. Because one of the scariest things for a teenager to realize is, is what I realized one, one Sunday morning. I was in the middle of, of prayer and, and worship time at our church. And, and basically, I was down front. Uh, the youth in my church kind of sat in a different area. I think that was to kind of c- control us. You know, we, we knew where the problem was, kind of a situation. So that's where we all sat. We all sat together so that basically at any time, anyone in the church could come up and like thump us on the back of the head or something like that. So that's where we were. And I was down front. My mom and dad were kind of sitting in the back, uh, another section of the church. And so I'm, I'm worshiping and I'm raising my hands and I'm doing all this. And for some reason, I, I kind of stop and I, I kind of put my hands down. And I don't know, maybe I heard something or something like that. I was distracted. And I turned around and I looked back, not trying to do this, but I looked back and I saw my mom and dad, and then something happened that was terrifying. I realized that I had my hands up just like my father did. Now, as an adult now, I'll tell you one thing. If I could be half the man that my father is, I'd take it. But as a teenager, that was not what I wanted to have happen. I have also realized that when I pray, some of the things my dad will say or have said when he prays, guess who, guess who does that? Me. And we, we begin to do that. And what's really great is the disciples saw that in Jesus. And they saw his prayers and they realized something. I want to pray like that. And that's what we should want. That's what we should desire is not to pray like Aaron, not to, not to pray in Aaron's way, but I want to pray like Jesus. You know what I mean? Because Jesus gets it. If you don't know that, you're going to know that. Jesus gets it. And we want to pray like Jesus. And that's what his disciples said. How do we pray? Teach us to pray. And so that's where this whole thing begins, this whole conversation. And basically, Jesus begins with the idea of fatherhood. And we talked about that the first week, how, how, how Jesus begins the prayer with acknowledging that we can go to our Father. And how special that was and how life-changing that was to the disciples. That that was not a way that they normally would associate with God. And the next week, last week, we kind of went through the Lord's Prayer verse by verse and kind of looked at it and kind of find out what Jesus was praying. And after that, Jesus does what I love that Jesus does. I like this, okay? Jesus then tells a story to illustrate his point. Now, you have to remember, this story is about prayer. You have to understand the context of what's happening here. Jesus is expressing this as a story. And we're going to jump down basically to um, verse number five. Okay, we've been basically in verses one through four earlier. And so now we're going to jump into verse number five. And this is what it says. And this is going to be what we're talking about this morning. It says, then teaching them more about prayer. 
he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those ask him. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we need you and I need you. Father, I pray right now that you would just speak your words. They change stuff, not me. And so, Father, we just take this whole part of this service and everything that goes through it and everything that's going to come through it. And Father, we just pray that your will would be done because that's what we need and that's what we want. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Jesus tells this story, this is about prayer. And he, and he uses this story to kind of get us to understand exactly what he wants us to understand. So Jesus not only gives them an idea of, of, of how to pray earlier on, but now he's giving them some, some illustrations. He's kind of giving them a visual about what that prayer is supposed to look like. And, and not just look like in the words, but on the actions behind it. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at these verses. We're going to look at the stories and kind of figure out exactly what Jesus is trying to get us to understand through the story about prayer. And the first thing we're going to look at is this. This is we ask with boldness. Look at Luke 11. Look at Luke, Luke 11, verse number 5, the second part of this. It says this. It says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say, a friend of mine has just arrived from a visit. I have nothing to give him. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. Now, we have to understand something about this story. Now, they did things a little bit differently. We, they, like, we obviously, the lights go out, which is now a lot earlier than usual. You know, I don't know about you guys, but um, it's like when, when daylight savings hits, it's like five o'clock and it's nighttime, you know? And that is really, really great for me in about two weeks. Because in about two weeks, these things will start showing up on houses that are lit up that I like called Christmas lights. So I like it. But after Christmas, it's like, okay, maybe it wouldn't be great if it was dark at three o'clock in the afternoon, you know? But they're used to this. When things would get dark, they'd go to bed pretty much okay they'd go to bed they would not stay up at the night was dangerous the night was kind of scary the night was not something that they did plus to have light they would use little you know we've seen these little before you know the little oil lamps well guess what oil is expensive so they wouldn't burn those things throughout the night they get those things out and go to bed. And they lived mostly in houses that were basically one floor and one room. So basically they would live in that house. And when it was time for bed, the whole family would basically get mats or pads or things like that. They'd put them on the floor and they'd all huddle together and sleep in the middle of the room. So when Jesus says a guy shows up at midnight, it really is the middle of the night. 
They've been asleep for roughly four to five hours at this particular time because they're going to get up when the sun comes up. They've worked hard. They're tired. And Jesus tells a story about a guy who shows up in the middle of the night and starts banging on the door. Now, if you want to help, if you really want me to help you with this, I am willing to help you. I am a servant, and I will come to your house tonight at 2 in the morning and bang on your door. Any volunteers? So we're understanding how horrible this really is, okay? He shows up, and he starts banging on the door. Hey, get up! Now, some of you have children now. Some of you have had children before. Remember what his response is. My family is all in bed. You know what the worst thing? Listen, listen, I, I have a four-year-old now, and he does a great job sleeping. He always has been a wonderful sleeper. But, but like, one of the things that we did is we put him down for a nap. Okay? Aren't naps the most wonderful thing ever? I'm not talking about you sleeping. I'm talking about the child sleeping. Okay? You get, I got some parents that are like, oh, you know, inside you're like, yeah, they're so nice. And so you take a, and, and, and we would put the kids down, you know, and he would take it, and I would go and I'd sit. Ah, <sighs> just nice. And then I'd hear a car outside start up, and then the dog would bark. And I'm like, oh, no, and I'm grabbing the monitor. I'm looking at the monitor. I'm like, oh, please stay asleep. Please stay asleep. You know, you wake a kid up at 2 in the morning, they don't understand it's 2 in the morning. It's like, oh, man, I'm awake. Let's go. Hey, what are we doing? Hey, let's watch TV. Hey, let's play this. Let's do this. And you're like, no, it's two in the morning. And so I can just see how this is all playing out. This guy is banging on the door and he's like, be quiet. My two-year-old just went to sleep. Don't wake him up. And he just keeps banging and he keeps knocking. You know, I don't know if you guys do this. Like sometimes somebody will ring the doorbell and I'm like, Easton, be quiet. Nobody move. And then they ring the doorbell again, don't move. And I'll slowly get up. I'll take my shoes off so I don't, you know, make any noise. And I'll tiptoe to the peephole and I'll look through, making sure, you know, it's no one, you know, that's important that I need to actually. But it's like, shh, shh, shh. This is happening at midnight. And this guy is banging on the door saying, listen, I need something. What's interesting about this story is the guy realizes how desperate his need is. His response is, I don't have anything to give him. You know what I find sometimes about prayer? And it's sad that we have to get there. We will bang on God's door, quote unquote, when we realize that we have nowhere else to go. When really it's the first place we should go. It's really the first place, but instead we go there. It's like, oh, oh no, I have nothing. So now I go to God. No, 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 no. God wants us to come to him first. God doesn't want him just to come to him when we're at our wit's end. He wants us to come to him at all times, in all seasons. But isn't it wonderful that even when we are at the very end, he's there? Isn't it great that God doesn't say, so, um, you know, you've been dealing with this for about three weeks. Where have you been? God doesn't do that. But he comes and he asks with boldness. He understands there's a need and basically nothing is going to keep him from getting that need met. He understands who can help him. He understands the situation. He knows it's late. He knows the kids are asleep, but he says, I have a need. 
And he just keeps knocking. And he keeps hammering on that door. You know, I just see it. You know, it's like, knock, knock, knock. I know you're in there. I saw you go to bed. Ooh, that's creepy. I mean, I know you're in there. And the guy's just sitting there. What? You snuck it off. Now, this is a story Jesus is telling us about prayer. This isn't a story about how to annoy your neighbor. This is about prayer. And so he asks boldly. Listen, I think you need to understand something. I believe that God honors bold prayers. I believe that God doesn't just want to answer your little prayer. He wants to answer your big prayers. He wants you to come to him with literally in your world the impossible because nothing is impossible with God. I think God wants to do things at times where you literally have to look at it and say these words. There is no other explanation besides God doing something amazing. Because you know what I tend to do? I explain stuff away. You know what? I'm kind of like, I pray. It's like, God, I need, I need this. And this, this, is, this, is, this is what I think you want me to do. And I, I need blah, 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 blah. And then God does it. And then I'm like, oh, isn't it great that so-and-so did that for me? Now, 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 yes, God uses other people at times. But who do you think told them to do it? I had a, a conversation with a lady once that was going through chemotherapy for some cancer. And, and, and she really, you know, had gone through the, the whole process. And, and I'd known her long enough where basically after the five years, you know, she was totally in remission. It was just amazing. and It was awesome. And, and I walked up to her and I said these words. I said, isn't it awesome that God healed you? And she said, God didn't heal me. I said, what do you mean God didn't heal you? She said, well, the chemo healed me. The doctors healed me. And I smiled and I said, well, who do you think gave them the knowledge to do that? And it was like a light bulb just went, boom. God works in lots of different ways. And God can use doctors, and I'm thankful for doctors and medicine. And God can also just touch you and heal you immediately. But the healings, listen, the healings are not bigger or better than the other. God just chooses to work in different ways at different times. And we trust his knowledge to know that. But we come to him boldly. We come to him in a way that basically is the same as being willing to knock on God's door at midnight and basically say, I need you. I need you. I have nothing to eat. And I think God loves that. I think God appreciates that. I think God looks at that and sees a desire and a heart that is for him, that is willing to be bold, is willing to come and bring those needs boldly and to ask for help. Next, in our second thing we're going to look at, we seek with persistence. I love this verse. This cracks me up because it's like such a funny little verse that Jesus says here. It says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. You know what? This is going to sound kind of weird. I think Christians need to have a little more shameless persistence. Because we don't have to have persistence in almost anything in our world today. Think about it. What do you have to have persistence for? Well, you go, listen, you go out here 
you take a little thingy-bobber, and that is a technical term. You open a thing, you put it in, click, you hit a button, and in like 20 seconds, you have a cup of hot, delicious coffee. You know, now some of you will remember the days. Now, I know this was back in the old days. So I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad because I used to, I remember this too. We would have to get out a filter. I know some of the young people are like, what's a filter? You know, we would get out a filter and we would have to take a basket type thing out. Now, I know some of you are like, well, that was easy, but just go with me here. Okay. We take the, we would put the filter in. Are you getting all this? You, could, you, follow, you follow me? Okay. Put the filter in. You would have to go open a can. I remember when the, the coffee came in the metal cans. Those were fun, you know. And you open the can. I remember that because I remember like my grandfather or, or grandmother or mom and dad, they'd open that can and it was the sound. Remember that? Psst. And so psst, they'd open up and they'd, they'd have to scoop. <laughs> there are so many people whose, whose, whose arms are just ruined by the scooping action. They'd put that in there. Then they'd have to fill a machine with water. They're connected to something back there. I don't. It's all fancy schmancy stuff. And then they'd have to press a button. After all that, and then wait and wait and wait. And then, oh, this was a big one. They would have to pour their coffee into a cup. Of course, this was back, you know, before there was, you know, mud, you know, back in the old days, right? We don't have to wait for anything. Hit a button, go through the drive-thru. You want to know anything? Google it. Everything is instantaneous. Everything's quick. And I'm not saying that's bad. I like things going quick. I like things coming easy. But you know what? I think it kind of affected our prayer lives. Because God says, I want you to be persistent. And I don't want you just to be persistent. I want you to be shamelessly persistent. I actually thought about this. If I wouldn't get tired in about a minute, I thought, how great would it be if the whole message, I just did this. I'm waiting for somebody to throw something at me. Okay, that's enough. Shamelessly persistent. Shamelessly going after it. I will not stop until it happens. I remember the story back in in, in the Old Testament where Jacob is wrestling with God. And what does he say? The angel of the Lord says, I need to go. The daylight is breaking. And what does he say? I will not let you go. Until you bless me. You know what, folks? We need to get back to those days. We need to get back to the days where we grab onto our Father, hold on tight, and say, I will not let you go. But we don't. We think we're bothering our Father. We've forgotten who we are, that we're his child, and that he's a good dad. And sometimes he's just asking us to hold on. Sometimes he's saying, don't be afraid to just keep asking and just keep asking. Listen, I know it. Look, I'm I'm this way too. There's stuff I've been praying about my whole life. And God still hasn't. There's stuff recently that that most of you know about that I've been praying about. And you know what? I'm tired of praying about it. I'm just honest. I'm just tired. I'm tired. 
But God says, keep asking, keep seeking, keep being persistent. So even though there's times where I literally will say, God, I don't know what to pray anymore about this situation. I say, but you know what it is, and I'm going to pray for it anyway. Shamelessly. Persistence. It's important. Some of you have got to meet Easton, and um, if you haven't, um, I feel sorry for you because he is just the greatest. I mean, any, you know, any parent I think that doesn't think their kid's the greatest is, you know, I don't know. But I just think my kid's the greatest. So if you think your kid's the greatest, that's awesome. You're wrong, but that's awesome. Okay. Um, and Easton is just awesome. But he has an interesting thing. He likes Thomas the Train. Okay. And one of his things he likes to do with Thomas the Train is he knows all their names and stuff like that. And we, and we bought him, I think, last year for Christmas, we got him a, a, basically a, a massive set on Amazon of Thomas the Train train track pieces, okay? They're these wooden pieces, and they connect, and you can build a whole bunch of neat stuff. And so I remember about two or three months ago, I was, I was, I was watching Easton. I was tired. Emily was at work, and I, we had kind of a long day and kind of a long night, and, and so I'm just tired. And, and I said, Easton, I think, I think I'm, Dad's going to rest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down here in, in, in the room, my room. Why don't you go play, and, and, and I'll, just, I'll see you in a minute. He goes, okay, Dad, sounds good. And so I went, and I sat down, laid on the bed, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just kind of taking a moment to kind of breathe. And then all of a sudden, here's a little pitter-patter. And I open my eyes, and there's Easton. Hey, Dad. Hey, bud. Like, did we miss the thing about you going and me being here and, you know? He said, hey, Dad. Yeah? Would you, would you, would you want to make a, a Thomas train track with me? I said, Easton, um, you know, I would love to do that. But dad's tired right now. He, he's he's going to rest. But, but, but we'll, we'll do it later, okay? We'll do it later. Okay, okay, dad. And off he scatters. Eyes closed. About 30 seconds later, he's back. Hey, dad. Dad. Yes, Easton. You want to, is, is now later? Can we, can we do the train track now? I, I said, hey, Easton, it's been like 30 seconds, man. Give me a, give me a second, okay? I mean, let me rest here, and then I promise you, we will do Thomas the Train Track. Okay, okay, Dad, okay. Off he runs. About two minutes later. Dad, 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 listen, listen, Dad. Yes, Easton, listen, listen, listen. I was gonna, we're we're going to build the greatest train track ever. There, we, we have a mountain. I'm going to put the mountain here, and, and we're going to do the train track. Dad, you want to help me make it? Easton, I... I I would probably be able to say closer to yes if you had let me rest the last five minutes. Give me some time, buddy, and I promise you, we'll do that. Okay, okay, okay. Off he ran. Three minutes later. Dad! Yes, son. What are you doing? I'm getting up and I'm doing a train track table with you. And so we... Went into Easton's room, and I'm telling you what, we built the greatest Thomas train track you have ever seen. My son wore me down. He just kept coming, and he just kept coming, and he just kept coming, and he just kept coming. And I would love to look at you all this morning and go, because I'm just the greatest dad ever, I got up and I did the train track with Easton. No, I got up because I was tired of saying no. 
I was tired. I said, he wore me down. My son has shameless persistence. And you know what? I love it about him. You know why I love it so much? Because even though I was tired, even though I was, I was wore out, even though, quite honestly, I would have rather stayed there in that room alone for a while, my son wanted me to be a part of what he was doing, and that brings joy to my heart. He didn't want to build that thing alone. He wanted his dad there. He knew that there were things that only he could do on his own. But if dad comes, we can build a cool train track. You know, I think the father loves it when you say, God, I can build something on my own, but I want to build something with you. You know, that's what this place is about, okay? It's not, let's build this the way Aaron thinks it should be built. Let's build this the way you think it should be built. We're going to build this with how God wants it built because God's going to build it better and more cool and more awesome. And we got it all done. And Easton just sat there and he looked. Wow. And then I thought I was off the hook. And then he said, Dad, now let's play. And I was like, okay. And so we played till dinner time. And we had a great time. Shameless persistence. Go after it. Don't be afraid. Don't, you know, here's the thing. This is, this is something to think about here, okay? Weird way to put this, but go with me on this because I think it ties in to the understanding of fatherhood. Let's say that tonight... I decided, you know, that uh, I was going to go have some dinner or something like that. And I'm at dinner and I'm sitting there by myself and a complete stranger walks up to me. Complete stranger. And he says, "Uh, uh, are you Aaron? Uh, Yeah. Like, okay, this is getting weird, you know. Hey, listen, I heard you are a great Thomas the Train Track Builder. I am building one at my house. Yes, I know I'm 45, but I'm building one at my house. Will you come and help me build it? You know what I'm going to say? Please. Help. Strange man bothering me. Why? What was the difference between him asking you to do a train track table and my son? I know my son. I want my son. You see, we have to understand that when Jesus started that prayer with Father, it meant something very profound. It meant that we have the right and God has the desire for us to come to him and say, listen, God, I'm going to build something Will you build it with me. And God says, absolutely. God knows you. We can come to him with that boldness. We can come to him with that persistence because we are his and he loves us. So we don't stop. We don't give up. We just keep moving. And the final one we want to talk about as we learn how to pray this morning is we knock with childlike confidence. Look at Luke 11 through 13. It says this, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is such a funny picture that Jesus kind of paints for us. Because it's so strange and so weird. It's like, what? You know what I mean? 
you know, it's like, you know, having somebody come up to you and say, hey, um, let's go out and have some breakfast. That's great, son. Let's do that. But instead, have a scorpion. What? And Jesus here is kind of bringing out a really strange point. He's basically saying, you people who are sinful. Other translations say guilty. I mean, just, we're not getting a good picture here. And Jesus is right, by the way. He said, but if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more does your perfect father know how to do that? The problem that we tend to have, and I don't mean to go back to it, but I think it's very important, is we don't really know who we are, and we don't really know who our father is. Sometimes, let's be honest, we don't go to God because we're afraid that instead of giving us what we need, he'll give us a snake or a scorpion. Listen, we won't do that as as flawed, broken fathers and mothers. If Easton comes to me and says, Dad, can I basically... Because look what he's asking. He said, I'm asking for food. He's not asking for the greatest new cell phone. He's not asking for a new iPad. He's asking for an egg, something to eat. You wouldn't give your kid something that would hurt him? Because that's what he's doing. Snakes and scorpions bite and sting. He said, you wouldn't do that. Why do you think your heavenly father would? And basically what Jesus here is saying is he's understanding the human condition. He's basically saying that the thing you need to understand is, is sometimes in our brokenness, we think that that's what God's going to do. We think that God is literally going to give us something to hurt us. Now, why do we do that? Well, I think sometimes we do that because we don't always understand God's ways. Because we don't always trust God's plan. And so when God does something that we don't understand or don't get, we look at it as almost like God's trying to do something to hurt us. But that's not what God does. There are times in our lives where God does have things happen or allows things to happen that are not pleasant, but they happen for our good and our growth. How do I know that? Because God is good, period, and he loves you. The Bible's very clear. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it brings forth a harvest of righteousness. Listen, God's not going to give you a snake or a scorpion. You may feel that way, and I respect your feelings, but listen, when your feelings are contrary to what the Word of God says, you take your feelings and you put them in the garbage. We all have to do this at times. Because the enemy loves to bring those, try to bring those feelings in that are contrary to what God's Word says. Our feelings change. God's Word is forever, and we stand on that. So we don't go. My, my son doesn't come to me and say, you know, you know Dad, can, can I have a piece of candy with the fear that I'm going to basically say, no, but here's a rattlesnake. He never, it never even dawned on him. That's so I mean, if I said, Easton, you just asked me for a piece of candy. Yeah, Dad. Do you think instead of a candy or a Kit Kat bar, I'm going to give you a rattlesnake? He'd just look at me like, why is my dad so weird? He just comes with a childlike confidence. He knows that if he asks his dad, 
his dad is going to do what's best for him. Now, that might mean that, no, son, you may not have a sugar thing that will cause you to run around the house and and dance on the ceiling. And he might not always understand that because he wants to dance on the ceiling because he's four, and that's what four-year-olds do. But one thing I hope my son never questions is my love for him. That he never questions, even though he doesn't always understand, that he knows I love him and that I want what's best for him. And look, I don't think this needs to be stated, but I'm going to just in case there's somebody who really just thinks weird things. I am about as imperfect as they come. As a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a man, as a person. And yet I don't want my son to have anything bad for me. And I am sinful and I do miss the mark a lot. How much more does your heavenly father have good things for you? How much more that when you come to him and express a need that your father is delighted in doing something amazing in your life. If this will help you, think of yourself and people that you love and how you desire to give them good gifts and then realize that your heavenly father wants to do that about a million times more. And maybe maybe then we'll get a small glimpse of how a father desires to answer our prayers. As Jesus tells this story, he kind of sums it all up in the middle of it. And that's what I think that we really need to remember. And so we're going to close with this. If the worship team would come on back up. I want you to remember this. And this is important. Everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds and everyone who knocks the door is open i love that jesus teaches in so many different ways in one way this is how i learn he he gives the story and he expresses these visuals and and snakes and scorpions and and knocking on the door and then for those that are very kind of just give me the facts man just give me the facts he gives you verse 9 and verse 10 Basically says, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Asks, receives, everyone. Listen, as we close this morning, I want to focus on, on one word. Everyone. Everyone is extremely inclusive. It means everyone. It means no matter who you are, you're included in this. Everyone who asks receives. You know what I find? The problem is, is we don't do these things. We don't ask. We don't we don't seek. We don't knock. And what's interesting is Jesus uses some very important words here. They're all action words. My brother has, has got his master's in, in English, which is amazing, especially when I don't know like grammar and stuff. I'm like texting Matthew. It's like, how, how does this work? And he texts me back. You know, it's great. But they're all action. The idea of asking is an action. The idea of seeking 
is an action. The idea of knocking is an action. It is you putting forth some effort. Listen, I think it's important that we understand this. You know, I've had people, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a job. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Well, what have you done? Well, I've prayed. Yes. Good thing. First thing. Good job. What else? That's it. <clears throat> okay. Good, good job on the prayer. Let's, let's talk about the other thing. Have, have you put out any resumes? No, I'm just praying and trusting Jesus. Oh, okay. Have you showered recently? No, but that's okay. I'm trusting Jesus. Now listen, yeah, God is God. God could have some, somebody call you up and say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm this guy, I own this company, and I was just praying this morning, and God gave me your name and your phone number and really said how tall you were, and, and basically you haven't showered in a month, and I want to hire you. Can that happen? Absolutely. Does it very often? Nope. I have never got a job that way. I have asked, I have seeked, and I have knocked. I actually put out resumes. Okay, now listen, this may, this may dampen your view of me and of the board, okay? But I actually turned in a resume to come try to get this job. I know, isn't that shocking? I know when you think of Gordon and Steve and Nathan, you think of, you know, kind of moment, and that they were in, in the presence of the Lord, in the office, and basically they were just praying, and, and, and basically it was like this. God said to Nathan, Aaron, and to Steve said, Nash, and to Gordon, he gave the phone number. <laughs> I know that's how you think this happened, but you know what? It didn't. I did not sit there and go, well, I'll just wait for God. Now, sometimes, listen here, sometimes God asks you to do that, and you need to be obedient. Don't, don't misunderstand me here, okay? We need to take every situation how God speaks to us individually, okay? So we're, we're, I know I'm painting with a little bit of a broad brush here, but just go with me. I trust you can, can follow me here. But there's a lot of times where God says, I have a job for you. Now get your resume ready. Get showered and shaved to an extent. And go find it. Ask, seek, and knock. If you will do that, you will find you will get the door open to you. And listen, I don't know about you, and maybe this is just me, but I don't think it is. I like the fact that God wants me to be a part of what he is doing, not just in your life, but in my life too. I like that. I like that God says, we're going to do this together. Listen, if you have a need, and you have something going on in your life, do you need to pray? Absolutely. First thing, with shameless persistence. But maybe, maybe you're not seeing the answer to that prayer. Because God has something for you to do with it as well. Maybe God wants you to learn something through this situation. And that's not bad. That is glorious. Because it's going to change you. It's going to make you more like him. There are no accidents with God. There are no coincidences with God. He does it all so that we know him better and can experience him and become more like him. So let's take a moment as we kind of close the service. And in this moment, if you just do me a favor, can we just, 
Can we just bow our heads? Let's close our eyes. Let's focus. Let's focus. Because I truly believe that God is wanting to do some amazing things. That God is wanting to answer some prayers. That God is wanting to change us in how we view these things. Remember, the whole point of this, the whole idea of this, the whole reason they asked in the first place was not because they were necessarily saying how they prayed was horrible. It was just they wanted to pray like Jesus. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus tells the story, that Jesus speaks of boldness, of shameless persistence, and understanding as a child would that our Father is going to give us good things. You would thought that, that we would already have known that. But let's be honest, and I'll just, maybe, I'll just speak for me. I know my prayer life doesn't very often mirror those things. And so I know, I know, there are people here that have been praying. They've been praying for healing for, for themselves or for someone else. They're, they're praying for, for a financial miracle. They're, they're praying for, for, it could be tons of different things. And I want to encourage you this morning. Listen, this is not a message where we walk out of here going, oh man, no, this is what we walk, we walk out of here going, man, this is good. Our father is good. Our father, he he literally said, anybody that comes and seeks will find. Knocks, the door will be opened. Asks, and it'll be given. This is, this is, listen, this is what they call good news. We don't walk out of here depressed. We don't walk out of here with our, with our heads hung down. We walk out of here understanding who our Father is and who we are. And know that in time, in the right moment, in the, right, the, the exact right time, God will answer. Maybe no, maybe yes, and maybe later. But he will answer. And his answer, even though we may not understand it, will be good. It will be good. Because he's good and because he loves you and he won't give you a scorpion or a snake. But there may be some of you here this morning where God is speaking to you right now and he's saying, listen, I am so glad you're bringing this to me because that is good and right and awesome. But now you've asked, now it's time to seek and it's time to start knocking. And I'll be with you and I'll help you. But I want you to be a part of the miracle that I'm going to bring forth in your life. Sometimes we'll sit there and say, oh, God, there's this person I know. And, oh, he just doesn't know you. God, let him feel your love. And then we won't even talk to the individual. And God's like, listen, I want you to be that guy. I want you to be that individual that reaches out. Should you pray? Absolutely. But now you be God's love extended to them. Well, but I'm, I'm afraid. No, you don't have to be afraid. Because God's with you. God wants you to be a part of what he's doing. Listen, God doesn't need us. He's God. But he chooses to use us. Which is so much better. I want to be chosen. That's cool. 
And God has chosen every single one of us to not just pray, but to be a part of the miracle that He is going to do through us and in us. And so, Father, this morning, we just bring these things to you. Father, we understand that no matter how long we've prayed, you've asked us to continue. And God, that's hard. Sometimes I don't know what to pray. Sometimes I get tired. Sometimes it's just, I just almost feel like I'm bothering you. And in this story, you tell the story of a guy who just keeps on knocking. And because of his persistence, he's answered. And he gets what he needs. Father, for some of us, it's not just about the prayer. It's about now being your hands and your feet extended. How silly of us to pray, God, do something amazing in our community and then go and hide in the four walls of the church or the four walls of our house. Father, I believe you want to do an amazing work in this community. And what's crazy is you want to use us to do it. You want to use us. You want to use me. Sometimes, God, I, I go, are you sure? I, I, did you get the right number? Did you, did, you, did you get the right address? And your response is always with me. Nothing is impossible. Father, you want us to be a part of the seeking and, and, and the knocking. You want us to be a part of what you are doing. So, Father, don't let us just pray. Don't let us just ask for things, but then let us say, and God, what do you want me to do to bring your will about? Father, we, we all want great things for this body of believers. And that is awesome to pray for, and we should pray for it. But God, we also need to ask the question, now what can I do to bring that about? Because God, I can't do this by myself. I don't want to do it by myself. I can't do it by myself. Every person that's here, you have a special thing for them to take part in. But Father, if we think we're done, or if we think we're too tired, or we think we're not good enough, or we think we're too young, or we think we're too old, this place will not be what you want it to be completely. Father, we have to take action. And that may be doing something great, it may be doing something relatively small, like giving somebody a hug that you use to do a great thing. But God, all of us, all of us want to be involved in action. We don't want to just pray. We want our action to be a part of bringing about your plan and your will in our own lives and in the lives of this community. So Father, whatever we're praying for, whatever we're going through, when it's all said and done, Father, help us to know and help us to remember that those who ask, everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Everyone. What a beautiful word, everyone. And so, Father, we accept that. We are excited 
by that. And we know, we know that you are going to do great things because you are a great God. You're going to do good things because you're a good God. And we stand in expectation, ready to run for what you have in store. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.